0: The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. Good
1: morning. Welcome to Parkview. I'm Doug, one of the pastors here. And in a little bit, I'm having the privilege to get to... um teach from God's Word today. So if you're new to Parkview, really glad that you're here. Um, usually I start uh, my sermon with a prayer. And I've asked Scott, uh, Scott is our college pastor here at Parkview. I've asked him to pray for me and for our, our time in God's Word today. But I wanted um, Scott in. So he's got two team members here. Last hour we had about eight or nine because there's a whole group of student leaders right over there in a meeting right now. So these guys must have won, got the short straw or the long straw, and they're here. So, But I just want to thank this team so much. For the last two weeks, these guys have been pouring out tons of hours, um, literally contacting, I would push a 1,000, maybe 2,000 students that are stepping onto this campus uh, for the first time here at Iowa, and just very faithfully, very creatively, and just passionate for these students to get to know who God is. They've just done an excellent job, and so I know how influential that was my first year away from home and on a college campus uh, to get connected um, with the church, with the ministry. And so I just so am so thankful for what you guys have done. So I want to pray for them uh, and invite you as I'm praying, if you would pray for Scott and his team. Why don't you introduce the two we have here? It'd be good. Yep.
0: Yeah, this is Bethany and Thomas, and then the rest of our team's in there. Yeah. Mostly student leaders, but good staff too.
1: Yeah, so just very thankful. So I'm going to pray for them. And as I'm praying, why don't you join me praying for them as well. And then Scott's going to pray for me and for our time in God's word. So let me, let me pray here first. So yeah, God, I um, am so thankful for Scott and Emily and their heart for students, their heart for you, their heart for this city, and how contagious that has been for their, their team and how that has just been put on display, not just these last couple weeks, through the last... Eight ten 10 years of Scott's life and that you keep giving him faithful leaders uh, that are following his lead and that I just am so thankful for so many relationships that were made over the last couple weeks and I'm praying specifically that there would be many stories over the next four years of students who would get to meet Jesus, who would grow closer to Jesus Because of these efforts, because of all these creative ways of making connections. And we do this not so everybody will say, wow, isn't Parkview awesome or 24-7 awesome? But may all these students say, isn't Jesus awesome? And would you do a movement, please, through all the campus groups this year and just draw more and more students uh, to Jesus on our campus. So thank you, Mm -hmm. Lord.
0: Thanks. That's where a lot of the hard work is done right here. Thank you for praying with us. Um, As we pray for Doug uh, for the message, I think I've just realized uh, a lot of the hard work in that is done here, right? And so I'm going to give you each a few seconds just to pray for our hearts that we'd have soft hearts and ears to hear uh, as Doug preaches this morning. So take that chance now. God, thanks for this faithful man uh, who preaches the word week in and week out, faithful to your word, uh, faithful to you. I pray, God, that this morning you would empower him by your grace and through your spirit, that he would preach with clarity, uh, that he would preach with Holy Spirit power, uh, that you'd be energized, that it'd be like he's a glove, that uh, you put him on, uh, you use him this morning, and uh, that, that you work him over, wear him out, preaching your word uh, for your glory, God, that, that, that from here that we would go forth and that we would love others the way that you love us. Uh, Um, because your word sets in in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Amen. Can we affirm Scott and his team? Just give them a round of applause. Thank you for what they're doing. All right. So we're in the middle of three weeks. Uh, The series we're doing is called The Basics. And so I've got three kids that just went back to school. And you ask them, what are you learning? They're like, nothing. We're just kind of reviewing everything. But that's a good rhythm in our lives, right? Teachers will say, you got to go through the basics. Football teams are going through the basics. And so what we're doing for three weeks is just really looking at what is the mission of Parkview Church. And it's to love God, to love others, and serve the world. And this is a great time of year for us to focus on this. We can get so crazy busy with new schedules and times and carpools and all the things flying at our family. I know there are many things flying at yours as well. But if we were to ask Jesus, okay, in the midst of all this year, what do you wanna make sure happens in our lives? I think he would say, I want you to love God with your whole heart. I want you to love others. And I want you to serve the world. And so we're just dialing in. If you have a Bible, you can go to Matthew chapter 22. That's where we're going to start. There's an outline in your bulletin that you can follow along. And we'll have some verses on the screen behind me as well. So really glad you're here. And again, I think this is a great time of year for us to dial in. So what's happening here in Matthew 22, we're toward the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. And he has stepped into Jerusalem. And you know, there's some similarities to what's happening to Jesus and what's happening in our campaign cycle in our country is that if Jesus were in a campaign, his poll numbers are climbing and people are really drawn to his teaching, they're drawn to his miracles. And there's two uh, opposing parties, almost like Democrat, Republican and ours, but religious parties, the Sadducees and Pharisees in that day that hated Jesus and they saw their popularity base diminishing and people are being drawn to Jesus. And so in a very public place, Both groups, the Sadducees and Pharisees, tried to ask Jesus a question that would make him look foolish, that would make him take the wrong side on a controversial topic, so his poll numbers were dropped. That's that's exactly what's going on. And so in our passage, the Sadducees have had their shot, it didn't work, so now the Pharisees go, okay, here's our time to score big. They put their hot shot, they put their ace out in front, and he asked Jesus the question, uh, what is the greatest commandment? And uh, in that day, that was huge. There were so many factions. There were 613 laws. And so immediately, they wanted Jesus to divide the crowd, that he would pick one that would divide. Others would say, that's right. And others say, that's wrong. And so what's the greatest commandment? And so we look at uh, Matthew 22, verse 37. And Jesus said this, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Boom, there it is, okay? And so whenever you see these guys trying to trip Jesus up publicly, it doesn't work. And it seems like Jesus always gives, in baseball terminology, a walk-off. Like he just hits the home run to win the game. He just gives the answer that silences the crowd, flips his bat, and trots around the bases. Okay, it's game over. He just gave the profound answer. Love God and love others. All the other commandments hang on those two hinges. It's like, if all the other commandments are a door, those are your hinges. Love God and love people. I love simplicity. Like just, okay, out of all the things that I'm supposed to run after in my life, God would say, love me and love people. And you're good. You got it covered. All right, so uh, we need simplicity, right? So that's that's what we're after and that's what Jesus gives us here. And so last week we talked about loving God and we said that the clearer you see God, the the more you know God and the more clearly you see him, the more you will love him. Jesus said, love the Lord your God and we talked about both those names for God. The Lord is the covenant keeping God, the God who is famous for being merciful, gracious, the God who pursues you, he loves you, Uh, Jesus died for you, all those things, that he is the Lord and he is our God, the supreme almighty God who made everything. He is in charge. He doesn't have to ask permission of anybody. He does whatever he pleases. And so when our God is both the loving God who is faithful and loyal to you, forgives you, is merciful to you, and he's all-powerful, there's amazing comfort in that. And uh, his desire is that we, he would be number one in the league of our lives, not just in the top 10 or top 20, but he wants us to love him with our whole heart, soul, and mind because that's a reflection that we see who he is. And God isn't narcissistic, and he's not just being petty and saying, I want to be loved more than everybody. He's, he's right, that when we see who he is, and when he's our pri- pri- primary love, number one love, and we pursue him, we worship him, uh, we obey him, that is best for us. And so he just says, People that I love, I want you to love me with your whole heart, soul, and mind. And then what flows out of that is that, and then when you love me first, you watch the relationships in your life. They are going to flip, they are going to be very powerful because I want you to love me, and then I want you to take that love I'm giving you, and I want you to share that with the people in your life. I want you to love me, and then I want you to love the people in your life. That, that's the basic commands that we're running after David. So we're going to focus on uh, the loving one another piece in that. It's really interesting. If you look in the Bible, in Genesis 1, it talks about us being created in God's image. In Genesis 2, God is listing all the things in his creation. It was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. The first thing that was not good was that man was alone. So Adam is alone, and that is not good. And you've got to scratch your head a little bit and say, okay, there was no sin at that time. Uh, it's just Adam and God, so it's like the perfect quiet time every day. Uh, You are given a job to do by God, and it's the perfect day on the job every day. You don't drop stuff. You don't break stuff. You don't step on a shoe and break your foot. Uh, all, All that kind of stuff isn't happening because there's no sin, but there was still something not good about that, and it's because God has created us not just to be in relationship with him, but to be in relationship with each other as well, and so um, it's interesting, just like we are creating the image of God, what we do in our lives, what we're called to do is to reflect that image. And when you look at who God is, when you look through the Bible, God is one God, but he exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is a relational God. And when you look at the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it's the perfect relationship. Uh, they're not fighting with each other, uh, they're deferring to each other, they serve each other. Uh, there's perfect communication, perfect love in that relationship. And so God has created us that way too, to be relational and to, to show his kind of love in the relationships we have with each other. And you go one more chapter in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, that's where you see sin is introduced into the world. And the basic sin that happened is that the first man and woman uh, denied the goodness of God. They were tempted to believe that God was holding out on them. And so they rejected. God's God's standard God's command. And so we also have inherited that nature that we tend to just kick against God. And we don't believe God is going to be good to us, so we try to do our own thing, satisfy our own needs. And so that's caused a fracture between us and God. And then you look at our world today and because people are fractured from God, then we're also fractured from each other. That's why families are struggling, marriages are struggling. That's why you see the rioting in Baltimore and Ferguson. That's why this week, we saw the horrific murder of a reporter in Virginia, or we hear about the horrific murder of a police officer in Houston, just shot in the back, just cold-blooded. That's, our world is fractured, and we are not seeing evidences of loving each other because there's a fracture between us and God. And what's amazing is that God has still responded to that in love. That's the whole reason why Jesus Christ came and lived on this earth. Jesus Christ loved us like no one else ever will or ever has or ever can. Jesus Christ came. The Bible says in Romans 5:8, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. So the message of hope in the Bible is that our relationship with God can be restored and thus our relationship with each other through Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose again from the dead. He broke both the penalty of sin. We deserve God's wrath, Jesus took that away, and then he broke the power of sin. So we can, we don't have to treat the people badly in our lives. We can actually love each other in the way that God has loved us. And so uh, we are called now to love God and love others. And so that's my first hope for you this morning is that you understand the gospel. You understand the good news that Jesus died to give you a new life where you can be restored in your relationship with God, and then see renewal and restoration in your relationship with each other. And so if you decide to do that, you decide to become a follower of Christ, Jesus says, w- w- here's what you will be known for. If you are truly my follower, then you're gonna love each other. He said that in John thirteen thirty-four and 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Again, what's new about this command? The newness is, first of all, we've been loved in a, in a love that can never be repeated. It's a, the once and, and for all Jesus Christ giving his life for you. you the, the newness of the command is, here's a new standard of love. I want you to love like this. And the newness of this command is also this. Now you get to pass on that kind of love because you can experience that kind of love. You don't just have to read about the love of God for you. You can actually experience the love of God because of what Jesus has done for you. You will now be able to love in ways that is humanly impossible, in ways that you have never loved before. That's what's new and fresh about that command. And so the Bible says things like this in 1 John 3, 16, by this we know love that Christ laid down his life for us. And so we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And so Jesus' desires: if you follow me, I want to empower you to love people like this world has never seen. And that's exactly what happened. If you read through the history of the early church, you see in Acts chapter two, the first gathering of God's people after Jesus ascended and went back into heaven this was a group that was famous for being ordinary and uneducated, okay? That's, that was their calling card right there. That's all we got. But they knew Jesus and they loved Jesus. And the way they started treating each other in Acts chapter 2 was powerful. The world had never seen a group of people love each other like they loved each other. And so people wanted into that. The, the world around them, it says every day the Lord was adding to their numbers. People were following Jesus because this group of people loved each other in a brand new way. And it's amazing because their message didn't really make sense in Jesus' day. To say there was, you know, either from a, to, from a Greek audience, a Roman audience, a Jewish audience, the message of the gospel seemed foolish. What are you talking about? God became a man and died and rose again from the dead? So there wasn't an immediate click with the message But there was an immediate click with the love that they saw in each other's lives. And they said, we want that, we need that. Where did you get that? And it was the love the Christians showed each other that really opened the door for people in their day to understand the message. There's a professor at Princeton, a historian, uh, named Rodney Stark, who's done a lot of work into the history of the early church. And to listen to his summary, and and actually, as I read how the early church transformed uh, their culture Just listen to the parallels and the needs that exist in our culture today. Listen to what he says. Christianity revitalized life in the Greco-Roman cities by providing new norms and new kinds of social relationships, able to cope with many urgent urban problems. To cities filled with the homeless and impoverished, Christianity offered charity as well as hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachments. To cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. To cities torn by violent ethnic strife, Christianity offered a new basis for social solidarity. And to cities faced with epidemics, fires, and earthquakes, Christianity offered effective nursing services. The the love of God uh, shown through these people put the message of Jesus Christ on full display and it transformed culture. You know, Parkview, our ability to influence uh, each other, to influence our families and to influence this city is gonna be in direct proportion to the, to the extent that we show the love of Christ, that we show the love of Jesus Christ in our homes, in our marriages, with our kids, within this church and then throughout this city. The, the more we love the more the message of Jesus Christ will will extend. Um, There was a man in the mid-1800s, D.L. Moody, uh, in Chicago. He was a great leader that God used to literally influence thousands of people. It's interesting, I read this summer the story of how D.L. Moody met Jesus, and it's told from two perspectives. Uh, At the time D.L. Moody met Jesus, he was a shoe salesman, and there was a man in his church who was teaching a class that D.L. Moody had come to a couple of times. His name was Edward Kimball, And for some reason, they just had started this relationship. Kimball had a real heart for D.L. Moody. And it's interesting hearing him describe how his conversation went when he tried to share the love of Jesus with D.L. Moody. He says he went to the shoe store and he went behind the counter. And he says, I went up to him and I put my hand on his shoulder and I made the plea and I feel that it was a really weak one. I just didn't know what words I used or didn't know what to say, but I simply told him of Christ's love for him. So if you would have asked Kimball, hey, how'd that go? I know you were going to try to talk to him. It's like, man, I just messed up. It was just like, I didn't know what I was going to say and I got nervous and I just dropped the ball. I'm sure that's how he would have concluded that. Here's how D.L. Moody described that same conversation. He said, I remember that my teacher came around behind the counter of the shop that I was at work in and he put his hand on my shoulder and he talked to me about Christ and my soul. And I said to myself, this is a very strange thing. Here's a man who never saw me till lately and he is weeping over my sins, and I never shed a tear for my sins. I don't remember what he said, but I can feel the power of that man's hand on my shoulder. Isn't that amazing? And I think you see throughout the New Testament, one of the most repeated commands to believers, to churches, uh, to followers of Jesus, is that you've got to love one another. There, there is no way the message of who Jesus is going to get out if you do not love. First Corinthians 13 says, if you don't love, you're like a clanging cymbal. Nobody wants to hear a thing you have to say if you do not love. Billy Graham has this quote that I've just heard a couple months ago, and I'm really liking it, where where he said this: It's the Holy Spirit's role to convict somebody of sin. It's God's job to judge, and it's my job to love people. That's that's don't don't step out of your lane. Just do what we're supposed to do. If you're following Jesus Christ, love people. God takes care of convicting. The Holy Spirit convicts. God judges. You love. And when we miss those up, that's when we really mess up our message. That's when we mess up communicating who Jesus uh, really is. So when Jesus lived on this earth, uh, he is described as living full of grace and truth. He told people the truth for sure, but he was full of grace. That when he spoke truth, it was prefaced uh, with absolute and undeniable love uh, for the people, maybe you've heard this saying. There's a new twist on it. I'm really liking. the The old saying was, "Love the sinner, hate the sin." You know. And so, as you are following God, and you bump into people that maybe aren't following God, you know, you've been told, "Love the sinner, hate the sin." What if you What if you tweak that? What if it was, "Love the sinner, and then hate my sin, hate my own sin." when we enter and engage with people with that posture, that, yeah, I'm going to love you, but I am also aware that I am a sinful man. And I am also aware that my sin was so bad that it required the son of God, the sinless son of God to come and give his life for me so that I could be forgiven. And there's a whole new air of humility that enters into that dialogue. And so you may be called in a friendship to address a sin or a lifestyle in somebody's life, but when you are so aware of your own sin, love, the sin, or hate, my sin, there's a whole new, whole new way that that message gets delivered. So the ultimate proof that we love God is that we're going to love each other. That 1 John 4 says it's impossible to say that you love God, but then you hate people in your life. You don't get it. You don't, you don't understand your own sin. You're being too critical of their sin, and you're not even aware of your own. Uh, you love God, you will love others, and that's, that's the, the ultimate evidence. And it's also important for us to remember this. Uh, you're going to be empowered to love other people. This can't come from you. This whole love that you're experiencing from Jesus isn't on this planet. You didn't make it up. Um, nobody on this planet made it up. Uh, Jesus revealed it to you. And so now when you're called to love with that same kind of love, it's not something you can just, ah, you know, there, now I'm loving people. You can't do it. Um, in fact, Jesus said in John 15:9, uh, abide in my love. So as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, abide in my love, that's your first step, if you go, man, I just, everybody's a jerk to me, like, I just can't get along, my roommate, my kids, my dog, my wife, my neighbor, like, whatever it is, I just can't get along, I think Jesus would just kind of grab you and just say, hey, come here, come here, abide in my love, you know, as the Father has loved me, now I am loving you, you just need to love, you need to abide in this, you need to understand that, yeah, I've seen your sin, And I've forgiven you and I love you and I embrace you and I accept you and I am not going anywhere. And I wanna empower you to show that love to the people in your life. And when you do that, that puts God's love on display in powerful ways. One other really practical way God helps us is in Romans 5.5. It says that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to pour God's love into our hearts. Pour it, not just like give it to you once, but there's that continual action verb of just pouring God's love into our hearts, that when you begin to follow Jesus Christ, you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. And isn't that powerful to know that one of his roles is to just keep filling your your heart with the love of God. And so, honestly, if there are people in your lives that you can't love, that's, Jesus would say, abide in my love. Lay that person before me. Come and let me remind you of my love. Come, let my Holy Spirit pour my love into your heart. And now, with that Now let's go love. Now let's go love these people in your life. And so what God would love to do with us as a church is that he would love to so much put his love on display. Um, And that's my prayer, that Parkview, we can be known for many things. Good night. If you come to church at the end of August, you're gonna get, you know, just shotgunned with all these things that are starting and programs and ministries, and they're all good things. And I praise God for every one of them. But bottom line, if Parkview could be known as a church, it just loves, that we, anybody who walks in these doors is completely welcome and accepted here, that as we go throughout our week, that we are famous for loving people like Jesus has loved us. That's, Jesus, what would you want from us? I say, I just want you to love. You let me take care of all the other stuff. You just go love. You love the people in your life. You put my love on display. We had a staff meeting this week, and I budgeted 20 minutes for this, and I, I, it wasn't enough time and this was really awesome for me. It just filled my heart. Um, I just had the team. We broke into groups, and, and everybody, the question was, what evidences do you see of people in Parkview loving other people? We are not a perfect church, and I know there have been times, if you've gone here for any length of time, where you have not felt loved or you were not cared for, and that is wrong, and I apologize for that. But, but in those 20 minutes, we heard so many names and so many stories and so many situations uh, where you we're stepping in and just caring for people, sacrificially, giving your time, helping, just, it was amazing. And it just gives me a great privilege to be a part of, again, not a perfect church, but a church that is trying to get its head around how amazing God is and how good he's been to us. And there's powerful things that happen. You can, you know, there, we're gonna talk about this a little bit too. God's plan for you is that it's just you and God doing life together. Remember, that was not good, even when it was Adam, even when it was sinless in Genesis 1 and 2. It's not good. You, you are wired to be in community with others. Um, but there's something powerful when we love well together. When we love this city well together, uh, it makes no sense. Like, why would a church with so many different ages and so many different backgrounds, why would they love this city so well together? And the power of things we can do together, like the way a couple years ago, 250 of our families adopted, sponsored, 250 kids in Ethiopia. That's, that's awesome. Or the way you come together around a Thanksgiving offering and we bless uh, a, a ministry in Cambodia, reaching out to girls who have been, been rescued from human trafficking, that's awesome. Or when a church comes around, a movement like Faith Academy, like the spot on the southeast side of town, just meeting the needs of kids in need, that's, that's powerful. That makes a statement. Um, And so I just thank God, even a church that, you know, so I had, we talked about a college ministry here. Some of you guys, most of you aren't in college right now. You might not even have a college student at Iowa, but a church that's so generous that wants to see this kind of ministry just sent to that campus, that's awesome. That's, That's the sign of a church that's beginning to understand who God is and how much God loves us. And so we're called to do this together. In fact, if you look through the New Testament, there are 58 commands that have the word one another in there. Love one another, serve one another, encourage one another. So I just thought we'd go through all 58 right now and just, we'll get out of here about 8 o'clock tonight, right? So, no, I did pick three that I want us to really, as we wrap up this morning, let's hit and get our heads around three of these. Because Jesus, what would you long for us, each one of us? He would long for us to be in community with other believers so that we can love each other and so that we can better love this community, and this world. So three things he'd love to see. First of all, is that he would love us to bear with one another. <laughs> bear with one another. Maybe you've heard this saying before, that when somebody becomes a Christian, they go, oh, great, I get to know Jesus now, but the bummer is I have to hang out with his people. So um, it can be a challenge, right, to be with other Christians. Look what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You know, after verse one, I'll bet you most of us were ramped up for something else. You know, as a prisoner for Jesus, I urge you, live a worthy, you know, life worthy of your calling. You're going, great, what is it? Go to Africa. Is it run through a brick wall for Jesus? What, give me something big? And it's like, uh, be patient with each other. <laughs> be humble with each other. Um, bear with each other. Like, so it just, I'll, I'll bet you if you think of huge spiritual goals in your life, you don't put those kind of things at the top. But it's, it's interesting. This is what Jesus would, would plead with us be a church that contends as one for the gospel. In John 17, right before Jesus uh, was arrested and crucified, There's a really long prayer uh, listed there in John 17. What was on Jesus' heart at that moment was that we would be united, that we would be one. There are so many Christian organizations that go to other countries to maybe to attack poverty, to get the gospel out, and you could talk to a leader of any of those movements. What is the greatest challenge that your teams face? And it won't be the culture, it won't be eating different food, it won't be the threat of terrorists, the biggest challenge to that movement going forward or not is will our teammates get along with each other? Will they play well together? And that's the same thing. We've talked about this in our staff the last couple of weeks is that we have got to be united, that we, we cannot talk about each other. We've got to talk to each other and with each other. Um, we cannot gossip. We, we cannot complain. We've, we've got to contend as one for the gospel. We've got to confront and forgive but move forward. Same thing is true for us as a church, that we must be united. And so um, number one is that we bear well with each other. And again, what's gonna gonna set us free to do that is a fresh understanding of the gospel. Every one of us are broken sinners trying to serve Jesus. We're trying to do our best, but we're gonna bump into each other. We're gonna hurt each other. We have got to be gracious with each other, just like Christ has been with us. And so uh, bear with each other. Here's the second one, is to serve one another first peter four eight through ten above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of god 's varied grace um, again, just the the epitome of Jesus' love for us is that he sacrificially loved us, he served us by dying on the cross, so a sign that you really understand the gospel is that you are going to serve uh, one another it's interesting a great question i like to keep asking us as a church is this if for some reason god were to remove parkview from this area how long would it take for the city to notice like are we serving this city well would there be a clear vacuum somewhere in this city would would city leaders would people that don't go to parkview say on it man where did Where did Parfu go like they used to do this they used to help us with this are we are we known for serving this community the same thing same thing on our let 's bring it down smaller level. What about your family? What if for some reason, you were to move out of the neighborhood or the apartment complex or the dormitory where you live now like would the people around you notice are, are you known for being being a servant. But the, the the clear command from Jesus is to serve one another. We've all been gifted by God. We have all been blessed by God. And the purpose for that is to serve, is to serve one another. Um, the ministry fair is a great chance to look for ways that you can serve. I know in our children's ministry, there's a need at this hour for a couple of small group leaders. You won't have to teach a whole bunch of kids. You just kind of have to be a steady presence in about eight or ten kids' lives for the next 80 years. No, for the next, you know, for the next nine months or so. They really just need faithful people that will love kids. And so go to the children's ministry, talk about that. If you're in, if you're in college, there, this, this church for me has been famous over the years for, for grad students, undergrads, med students that in very busy times of their lives stepped into this church and served. Um, for me, in, in, when I used to do student ministry here, um, Mike Farley goes, here. When he, I knew him when he was the undergrad. He teaches at the School of Pharmacy now. If you run into any pharmacy student, I know Mike Farley. Oh, Dr. Farley. You know, but I knew when he was just Mike Farley, the undergrad, who in a very busy time of his life gave many hours investing in high school guys. And there's been lasting fruit from that. I got an email two days ago from a guy named Tim Turbitt. If you were ever around my youth ministry, 15 years ago, Turbitt was famous. and The guy was crazy, actually. But it was his first year of med school that he caught on to what we were doing with students. He brought three bodies with him. So these four first-year med students spent four years not just getting a medical degree here, but investing their lives in junior high kids and helping us have as much fun as we've ever had, but at the same time showing them that, that you can follow Jesus Christ and have a blast in your life. So I challenge students here that you leave Iowa City not just with a degree or diploma, but you leave with lives that you have invested in. I encourage you uh, to get connected. So serve one another. And the last one is uh, to exhort one another. Exhort one another. Other words for exhort, think challenge, encourage, uh, urge. Okay, so uh, exhort, exhort one another. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, um, so that none of you can be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I think one reason Jesus wants us in community with each other is that we can be so blinded to the sin in our lives. We can so easily just get pulled into the rhythm of this world that is actually flowing far away from God. Easy for you to get caught up in that unless you have people in your lives that love you enough to let you know uh, when they see that you 're messing up you you see my sin way better than I do we We are blind to our own our own sin, and so God would love us all to be in those places uh, where you have given people access to your life, where they can ask you questions, where they can pray for you, where you can share when you 're struggling that 's one of our goals for our community groups is that that is a safe place where people can Can grow by having their sins addressed. And so I would say whoever it is in this room that's growing in their faith spiritually, you you most likely have that piece in place where people are confronting your sin, they're praying with you, they're helping you uh, through it. And so um, several years ago, uh, today our high school kids are going out to Sugar Bottom and they're going to water ski and tube and several, you know, there's people donating boats and time today to do that. Thank you for doing that Um, It was about uh, 10 years ago, more. I was doing that one day and Bill Freeney was with me. He goes here. He was speaking to our kids. And so we got there about a half hour ahead of about 100 kids that were coming out to Sugar Bottom. And we go up to our shelter and there was a group of people in there. You go, oh, no. You know, and so as you got closer to, they looked kind of rough and kind of big. So Bill was probably glad I was with him is what I'm saying. So <laughs> so like, uh, so we're walking up here, and it's one of those awkward moments like, hey, excuse me. I think we reserved this shelter. See the sign there? That's us. You got a bunch of kids coming here. You might not want to be here. So, But what we found, and, and you know, I, I feel so bad about the impression that I had, like, oh, no, these are you know, I just was not drawn to these people initially, but once we started talking to them, these were the greatest group of guys I've ever just stumbled into, and we talked, and we got, they got very open about their lives and about God, and Bill had a great talk with a bunch of guys over there. I had a good talk going over here. We found out it was an AA group that had traveled and just meets different places on Sunday afternoons, and they happened to be there that day, and these guys uh, had all come from very hard places in their lives. They knew they were very broken men, they knew that they needed the, the community that they had found in this group, and so they never missed it. And there was a richness, like I had never stepped into a group and so quickly started talking about stuff that really matters, as I had with that group with total strangers. And so really, that's a sweet picture of what when Christians get together, we ought to be like as well. Every, you know, sometimes we come here and we pretend everything's good and we've all got it together. We don't. Like we're, we're all a wreck, right? And so we're all battling sin. We're all broken people. And God would love us all to be in that place where you can be honest about that. And it's the gospel that lets you be honest about that, that whatever, whatever it is that I would share with you, Jesus already knows and he's died for and he still loves me and accepts me. And so in that confidence, I can share that. And then when you speak into my life, uh, you speak in as one who also has been forgiven. So you speak in not ready to crush, but ready to restore. That's a beautiful place that God would love for each one of us to get into. And that's, that's going to come, it's gonna, you're going to have to take some work and some time and some effort to get into a group. But that's, that's what we're aiming for, that our community groups can be a place where you can exhort one another because it is so easy for us to just slip into sin and be totally unaware of it. So my encouragement just to wrap this up is make sure that you're jumping in to community. God has called you to love him and to love others. And you can't do that by yourself. So uh, let me just, there's a slide up there. Here's a few next steps. Um, If you're looking uh, to learn more about a community group, again, like Maria said, go to the chapel, take a right at the fish tank, and just talk to people about what a community group is like. If you're a college student here today, I encourage you to connect Uh, with one of the campus groups, 24-7 is here, there's a cookout, going out uh, after um, the service, go have lunch with some people, find out about 24-7. Men or women, go to the ministry fair, learn some things, ways you could jump in. If you're a young couple here today, there's a thing called Catalyst. We're trying to get a bunch of you newly married young couples together to meet each other and form a community group from that. And so at at, after third hour, that group, Catalyst, is having lunch in room 107. So anyway, just that's my encouragement. Love God, love others, jump into community. Let me, let me pray for us. So Jesus, thank you uh, for simplifying just what do you want us to do? What do you want us to run after? And you would say, I want you to love God with your whole heart, and I want you to love others. And Jesus, may uh, my family, may this church be known, uh, be famous for our love, that it's a love this world doesn't have, but it's a love that we've gotten from you. And God, may part you truly influence this community, not just because we know the right answers, but because we know you, Jesus, and we've been loved by you, and that we would be famous for that love. So thank you. In your great name we pray.